you ever wondered why some churches are bigger than others? Why some churches grow? Why some stay stagnant? Why some lose numbers? Now, obviously, we can say, well, the size of the community uh, affects that, right? If you don't have people in a community, you can't have a lot of people in your church. Uh, whether it's a mega church or whether it's a small church like Plevna, you can always have more people than you have. There's always people out on the fringes who aren't going anywhere that could be welcomed into a church like ours. I did a little research because I wanted to know what are the professionals saying this is what we need to do if we want to grow our church. If you're familiar with the, the book The Perfect Purpose Driven Church, a guy by the name of Rick Warren wrote it um, down in Texas. Anybody heard that name before, Rick Warren? Okay, he's a mega church guy. Um, I don't know how many members, like 20,000 members. Chances are we're not going to get that big. But 20,000 members, and this is what he says, this is what you want to do if you're going to grow your church. Now, in all fairness, he's talking if you want to grow bigger than 200 people. Okay, so take it with a little grain of salt. But these still are what the professionals are saying. And, and there was, I looked at several sites, and I found between four and 25 different things that we need to do if we want to grow a church. So I picked his because he has eight. And then I came up with three ways the world tries to grow their church. Uh, and then we're going to see what did the disciples do. So what, what are we going to do to grow our church? Well, first of all, he says, you need to decide if you really want to grow. Do I really want to do what it takes in order for this church to grow? Because if you don't really care, if you're just content with the way you're, the size of your church is, then you're, you're not going to do whatever it takes to grow the church. So step one is determining, yes, I want my church to grow. This is in the words of Rick Warren. Number two is your role as a pastor must change, which obviously is speaking to me, saying, uh, and I, what he had written by that is the pastor can't do everything. If you want your church to grow, the pastor can't be in charge of everything. Okay, which I'm not in charge of everything, but that's what he's saying. And just in general, for a church to grow, the pastor can't do everything. Number three, he says you need to mobilize the members for ministry. Everybody has spiritual gifts. You need to figure out what those are, and you need to make sure people use them. That is going to grow the church, according to Rick Warren. Uh, some of these I love. This one, begin having multiple services. Let's do it. <laughs> we can have multiple services. We can have seven during the week. Uh, different styles of music. I mean, we can have like six people at each service, and maybe something would cause the church to grow just by having multiple services. Uh, we can multiply our staff, which obviously if you want over 200 people, you're going to have to have more than one person. But he says this is what you need to do. You need to plan big days. Big days, outreach is into your community, getting involved. Uh, we're, we're doing kind of a big day today, right? We're doing a bunco party, Valentine's uh, party, and I, I will admit I did invite people to this. I don't know if they're going to come or not, uh, but hopefully that will get people here. But he's saying, plan big days if you want people to come into your church. Have multiple cells. That means get groups of like 8 to 12 people together and say so you kind of keep track of your bunch of people and you keep track of yours and so that way you know who's missing and everybody feels like they're kind of connected. Not a bad idea. Number eight was to expand your facility. And plan ahead for what you think is going to happen. If you're going to build, don't build too small. So, you know, we can build a big gym out here if we want to. You know, we can do all sorts of things if we want to grow our church. This is what the world is saying you need to do. So um, there are a couple, other, a couple other things that I have seen that have happened uh, in Spokane and even like these big mega churches, probably Rick Warren's. They have all the bells and whistles. 
instead of making all you kids sit there during church listening to me, hopefully not bored out of your gourd, because even Tegan last week came up and gave me an awesome compliment. You know, so I know you guys can do this, but they say, you know what? And I had, this, I had kids leave the church in Davenport, youth group kids, because we didn't have the bells and whistles. We want to go to the big church that has the basketball hoops during the church services, that has a shorter lesson, that has snacks, that has the bouncy house, right? All the bells and fun whistles. That was one way that's going to grow your church. You're going to get a lot of people in doing that kind of thing, right? Um, another thing is you could bring in a dynamic or famous speaker. I guarantee you, if I left and Dr. David Jeremiah came in, what do you think would happen to the church? It would grow, right? Lots of people would be like, wow, we know this guy. We're going to go to that church. Or you can do what my dad did. My dad, uh, we, we've they've been in downport since 1988, and a couple years after that, my dad was realizing we are not really growing, and there's not many little kids around. So I don't know if he if he prayed this or if he just said it from the pulpit, but we need more babies in our church. And guess what started happening? The church started growing, and it's been growing kind of ever since because people keep having babies. Now, there's some flaws in that because how many of you are ready to do that? Not very many. Uh, we don't, uh, I don't plan to be going anywhere, so David Jeremiah cannot take my spot, and we are not going to get a gym with all the bells and whistles. But these are the kinds of things that help the church to grow. Uh, that, but I want to look at today is what does the old-fashioned church do on a regular basis that their goal wasn't to grow the church, but because they were doing what they were supposed to do, it was just a natural byproduct of doing what they were supposed to do. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is where we're going to be at probably for four more weeks after this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being, who were being saved. So, you, so these five practices we're going to be looking at over the next five weeks, um, we're going to look at them a little bit more in depth, and hopefully we will adopt them as practices we're going to follow and implement them for a lifetime. So, uh, let's pray first and ask God to give me his words to say, uh, to, to, give, to share with you what he has laid upon my heart, and it would come out clearly and accurately in a life-changing way. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this passage of new believers who are just getting excited and they're getting together, and they want to be as diligent and energetic and following what you're teaching say and then growing their church and i just pray that god as we hear these things we would hear them anew in a fresh way that says i want to do that too and god we would see the results that they they saw their church was growing and that people were getting saved on a daily basis god let us see the results of those things as well give me your words to say to speak this clearly and truthfully and accurately in jesus name amen okay so the very first thing 
Okay, so here's the five. The first was paying attention to the preaching of the word, which is what we're going to look at today. Then they had participation in the church body, body, partaking of the bread together, praying with other believers, and passing along to non-believers. Practice number one is paying attention to the preaching of the word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Who were the apostles? Well, there was 12 of them. We've, we've looked at them a couple of times through the book of Acts. There was 11 because Judas was the bad guy who betrayed Jesus. He went and hung himself, was ultimately replaced by a guy by the name of Matthias. But all the disciples at this point are together, and they are taking turns, and they are sharing what God has laid upon their heart to all the people. And all the people, how did they look at this? It says they were devoted. Devoted means that they continually, they gave constant attention. They persevered in doing this. And in this passage, we see that they, at that point, they were showing up daily to hear what the apostles had to teach. Obviously, that's going to take dedication. You know, back in the day, they didn't really have many options when it came to hearing God's Word. They didn't have their own Bibles. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have a radio. All they could do if they wanted to hear God's Word was to go someplace where God's Word was being preached. They could go to the synagogue, or better yet, they could, talk, they could go and listen to the apostles teach them the things about Jesus. And imagine how hard that would have been at sometimes, because they didn't have a sound system for sound. Right? And sometimes it gets hard to hear with lots of people around. There's over there's 3,000 people in, in their church. I don't think they're there all at the same time, but they're probably packing that place out. And with all the people, the sound doesn't carry as well. There's no PowerPoints that help keep people's attention. There's no recordings to go back and listen to. There was no snippets sent out to remind them of what they heard throughout the week. They had the same things that we had. They had to-do lists. They had chores. They had things that they wanted to do during that time. They had kids who got antsy and didn't want to listen for all those things. But for them, it really was, it's now or never. If I'm going to hear the teaching of God through the apostles, I better be paying attention now because I'm not going to have this opportunity again. So they chose to be fully engaged as long as it was necessary, which means they had to put everything else in their brains on the back burner in order to focus on what the apostles were saying. The apostles would have been sharing what they had experienced. They would have been sharing what they had been taught by Jesus about repentance and about baptism, about loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving their neighbors as themselves. They would have heard about the return of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 24. Numerous things they would have been taught, and they were there. They were dedicated. They were focused. They were saying, nothing is going to stop me from hearing what God's word says. And all these things that they were hearing, they were not just storing it up in their heads. They understood that there was no value in going to church and just sitting there and listening. It was not something they were just checking off to say, I've been there and I did that. They would have believed what James, the brother of Jesus, said to, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. They were focused. They were dedicated. They were hearing what was being said and they were taking it and they're going and they were living it out. 
In order for the changes to take place that took place that we're going to look at in a few minutes, they had to start there. That was step number one, is they had to pay attention to the preaching of the Word. The apostles taught it, the people listened. Guess what we in America and Plevna need to do today? We need to pay attention to the preaching of God's Word. And that doesn't just mean me. Right? Because we we know that I get up here and talk on Sundays, but we know that sometimes we have pulpit supply, even people inside our church. We know in Sunday school, we have teachers who are teaching us what God's Word says. We need to be paying attention to the preaching of God's Word. It's not man who's saying, look what I know and look what I can tell you. It's what is God choosing to speak through us. So we need to be like the, 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 all these people who were devoted to constantly, continually, persevering, do what it takes to help ourselves be focused to hear the message of God's Word. And we all know, apart from what you get on Sunday morning, there are an innumerable number of options you have out there to hear God's Word. There's the internet, there's the radio, there's any time of any day you can just plug in a name and you can come up with listening to whoever you want to give you a message from God's Word. And you would never have to step inside the doors of a church ever again. And, st- and some people choose that. Um, you know, churches around America are starting to open up because COVID is going away. But there's a lot of people who say, you know what? I, I don't like that drive. I don't like getting up in the morning. I like sitting in my pajamas and looking at the preacher and not paying attention or he doesn't even know, right? I can get, I can eat my cereal. I can do all these things that we all probably found ourselves doing during the COVID Sundays. And a lot of people won't go back to church because they don't see the value in it. They think all I need to do is hear God's word. But there's something special or there should be something special about walking inside the doors of a church and seeing everybody else who showed up to church that Sunday. They were all hearing the same message. God is speaking to us in Plevna a different way than he's speaking to people elsewhere. Now think about what a preacher in Los Angeles, California is preaching. It's probably not this passage. You know, he might be talking about uh, husbands. You need to make sure that you love your wives. And wives, you need to make sure that you're submitting to your husband because, after all, it is Valentine's Day, right? But today in Plevna, Montana, we are in Acts chapter 1, verses 42 to 47 because that's where God wants us to be and that's what God wants to speak to us about. And I believe that with all my heart because a couple weeks ago, uh, and I get reminders like this every once in a while as we go through a book, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You guys remember what we talked about? Go and be witnesses in your Jerusalem, your Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, I will admit, I picked out the songs for that Sunday because I do that, right? And I talk with Kathy, and sometimes we we go back, but we know what we're doing based off of that passage. But I had no control over Sunday school, which tied in perfectly with the message. I had no control over the bulletin insert that I never read that tied in perfectly with that message. That's not a coincidence. That's God saying, look, people, this message is for you. This is what I want you to hear in Plevna, Montana. That's not going to mean the same thing to somebody in Los Angeles, California. And what they're hearing today may not mean the same thing because that's not what God wants for us to hear. 
There is value in coming to a church every Sunday or most every Sunday and hearing God's word because there's something that God wants to teach specifically us. And if we're in this together, we all know that we're hearing the same thing. We can work together to accomplish whatever God's laying upon our heart. It's not me, myself, and I. It's us and we and together to do what God's word is teaching us. Hebrews Chapters 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 24 to 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says people are getting in this habit of not meeting together on a regular basis. Um, but there, there should be this connection. There should be people who enjoy getting together. You know, when people who get together, you know, when, I, when I'm at church and I see you guys walk through the door, you know what that does to me? It makes me feel good. Not because I have somebody to talk to, because I can talk to a computer screen and be just as happy that I get to talk, right? But I see you guys, Gary smiling right now, and Connie. I enjoy seeing that. There's, there's a bond, there's a fellowship that we're going to be looking at next week, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel excited. But there are people who aren't doing that. But for those of us who get together, that is part of it. We should be happy to get together. We should have a connection. But, you know, for, for some of you, you might understand this. When you come to church and you see that people aren't here, that can be a little bit discouraging. So-and-so isn't why he isn't here, so maybe it's not that big important. And it's easy to get discouraged and say, well, they didn't come last week, so maybe I'm not going to go this week. It's not really that important. Instead, we should be feeling connection. We should be feeling a bond. As a body of Christ, it's hard to function without everybody. Everybody has a spiritual gift. Everybody has a contribution to make. And if one person's gone, if one part of the body's gone, somebody steps up. You know, Darren did that this morning because somebody couldn't make it because he was uh, off at work unexpectedly. So Darren filled in, and praise God, Darren was able to do that. But if Darren wasn't here, who's going to step up and kind of keep that class going? I, was, I, was, I told Darren, I said, I'd like to come do this. I could have done it last week, but I said, today's message has nothing to do with adults who are married. Uh, you know, so parents, now you know what your kids are learning in Sunday school today. <laughs> we were talking about, uh, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. That's what scripture says. So we talked about some wishy-gushy stories and crazy things like that. But the thing is, back to Darren was he stepped up and he filled that spot. But if there was no Darren here at the same time there was no Steve here, all of a sudden we're struggling as a body. So it's like a basketball team. If people show up and they're, if they're sitting on the bench and they don't want to play and they're bored and they're not paying attention to the plays and they get out there and they don't really do anything... That's going to make it a lot harder for, for the team, right? It's going to be discouraging. Why are we even trying to play this game if you guys don't want to be a part of this? We shouldn't feel that way when we get to church. We should feel excited. I want to go to church. I want to see people. I want to be involved in people's lives. But there are people who don't come to church at all or on a regular basis, and it's easy to get disconnected. Um, and they might think, you know what, I went a couple weeks and nobody checked up on me. I must not really matter if I show up. May not even really care. And I want to encourage you to do this. 
or you see somebody who isn't here, I want to encourage you to reach out and grab a hold of them. Call them, text them, email them, stop by their house and say, hey, we missed you. You know, I do that uh, sometimes and people say, you know what? I had cows, which I understand, the weather. I was on vacation. I'm at basketball. And you know what? I'm not here to judge you. If you don't come, that's between you and God. All I want you to know is that we missed you. I don't want you to feel like you're not important being here. We want you here. This is the body of Christ. This is God's church. We want you here. You got other things to do? Okay. That's your choice. But I want you to know that we missed you. And we want you here with us today. It really does matter if you are not here. You know, my wife, um, back when we were first married, she, I think she, I'll probably get this wrong, but she was working either every other Sunday or one Sunday a month. And when she would come back to church the Sundays that she missed, she felt disconnected. There's something that she missed. And it's like almost coming like a stranger again. And I understand some jobs are like that, but it almost comes, feels like a stranger again because everybody else is, has this continuity and they're continuing on with this relationship that yours is like, if you miss one week, all of a sudden you're missing two or three weeks. And it's not good. So just if you're not here, if I ever come across as hounding you, like, where the heck are you? Know that I love you. I want you here. I care if you're here. Not because you're somebody to talk to, but because I like you. Okay? And this is part of what our church should be. People who get disconnected from church, uh, you know, my mother-in-law was one of those people. And it's, it's really sad, but about 12 years ago, she was in a car wreck. She was coming to her house for Christmas, didn't make it. And she broke her leg in such a way that she had to be in a wheelchair, I think, for like six or eight weeks. And guess what she never did ever again? She never went back to church. And I, I, I don't know why. I mean, she came here, you know, a couple weeks when she was here a couple months, years ago. But she, she never went back. And she says, I love God with all my heart and I'm praying every day and I'm reading my Bible and whatever. But her life doesn't reflect that. And it's real easy to, to be like, I love God, but I don't go to church. And all you just watch everything unravel. I've known numerous people who said, I love God, and they, don't, they never go to church. They, they're married, a lot of marriages, uh, Leslie's friend that's going through a divorce here shortly because her husband keeps cheating on her. Guess what they rarely did? They said, I believe in God and I'm saved. They did not go to church. And that family in particular, think about their kids, got involved in all sorts of sins. Oh yeah, I, I'm a, uh, I love God, and I'm go but I don't go to church and I don't do these things. I don't walk with God. And they, so you just, everything you can think of went wrong in their life. And there's numerous stories of that. Of people People who said, I love God, but they were not connected to a body of believers. And I'm not saying church is like the, the cure-all or the save-all. All I'm just saying is Peter was talking to these people and they were devoted. And from what they experienced and what they heard, they lived it out. They had accountability. They had encouragement. They had support. Things we're going to be looking at next week with the word fellowship that they had because they were together. But they did this at church. So church is a very important thing. I know nobody wants to be legalistic about being here, but there is a lot of value about coming to church together on a regular basis. This verse says we should not give up meeting together somewhere in the habit of doing. We should encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. What is this day that is approaching? It's not a happy day. This is a bad day. This is uh, a day when... 
when all the people who don't know Jesus are going to regret it. It's a day for us is a day of excitement when Jesus comes back, but for the world that doesn't know Jesus, it's going to be a very scary time. And he says, as all the more as you see the day approaching, we should be doing this. We should meeting together. We should make it a habit. That's what their church was doing. They were preaching God's word. They were living it out. Lives were changed. You could just picture in the marketplace, instead of like grabbing the last whatever, instead of pushing and shoving, instead of trying to rip people off at the, the market table, all of a sudden people were being honest with each other. All of a sudden people were letting other people go first. Family members who used to fight in front of everybody, all of a sudden were getting along. There was something that was going on that people were noticing this, and we're going to see in a little bit that that had an effect. People wanted to be a part of of what was going on. Not because it was a big club that had 3,000 people and it's got to be something special. It's because people took what they heard from the reading of, or of God's word from the apostles and they lived it out everywhere that they went. It was making a difference. Other reasons why it's important that we know God's word, uh, it says in Romans 15, 4, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us and to give us hope. It was to give us hope. Um, here's a quote that we've looked at before. It's been a while. It says, Our joy is in proportion to our trust. The more I trust God, the more joy I'm going to have. The world's falling apart, going crazy out there, but the more I trust God, the more joy and peace I'm going to have in spite of what's going on. But where does this peace and joy come from? It says, Our trust is in proportion to the knowledge of God. If I know this much about God, I'm not going to have this much trust in God. If I know this much about God, I'm going to have this much trust in God. If I know this much about God and his character, I'm going to have this much trust, this much joy in God. And so we have joy, we have hope because what we're getting from God's word. And part of where you get that is from scripture. It's from church. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart, always set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared to share your hope? If someone asks you, what hope do you have for eternal life? Would you have to say, um, let, go talk to somebody else because I really don't know what my hope is. I know it's about Jesus, but I really don't know more. I, I can't explain it. Or do you say, I prayed a prayer one day, but I really don't remember what I said. Let's go, you go talk to somebody else, right? This is so you have hope so that you can have, you can pass along that hope to somebody else. God wants us to have hope. We get it from his words in proportion to how much we know about him is how much hope and how much peace we're going to have. The people said, look, this is valuable. I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to set everything aside so I can focus on hearing God's word. And what was the result of that? Practice is going to produce something. Kids who go and practice shooting free throws, guess what they're going to do in a game? Shoot free throws. They're going to make free throws. You practice it, you're able to do this. It's going to have an outcome. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, that they were enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. People saw 
something different in these people. Yep, they saw a great big crowd of people, but they saw that these people were devoted. These people, there was a difference in their life. They were living out their faith. It wasn't just a, a to-do list. It wasn't just they were cramming all this information in their head. They were taking it out and they were living it with other, and sharing it with other people. And we're going to see next week, one of the ways that they did that is they shared their possessions with other people, which that's not the only thing that's involved in, in doing something like that. But it wasn't just something that was theory. It was something that was lived out and it was affecting people's lives. The neighboring people saw this as a good thing. Look at what that church is doing. I don't get it. Uh, maybe they don't even want it. But they say that is a good thing that church is doing. And so they, the people were appreciative. They, they, they enjoyed. Uh, they, they gave their blessing on those people for what they were doing. But it says also that people were getting saved. Their numbers were increasing. You know, um, some, some people might have said, hey, what's going on? Where are you going? Can I come with you? Um, some people may not have said anything. They might have said, hey, why don't you come with us? It all started with step number one, was enjoying. They were, they were uh, participating in the reading of God's word, the, the study of God's word. And by the time we get to number five, those people, if we do it all the step ones through three through four, by the time you get to number five, people are going to say, I want that too. I mean, that's what I, that's what's going on there. Um, and so I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that if we do these things, what we're supposed to do, whether we want to grow our church or not, it's going to be a natural byproduct of obeying what God's word says. So the first practice is paying attention to the preaching of God's word. Now, you all sat here. I don't know if you paid attention or not. I don't know if your mind's a thousand miles away uh, or not, but you were here. You heard what God's Word says. You, you're hearing what Scripture is saying about this. I hope that you say, okay, I'm going to trust this, and I'm going to do this, because this is what the Scripture says. Followed by what we're going to see in the next four weeks, participation in the body of Christ. Partaking of bread together, which is one of my favorite things. Praying with, uh, with other believers, which we've talked about a little bit. And passing it along, which means to evangelize. If we do these things, that what we're already supposed to be doing, I believe that is what is go God is going to use to build our church. Now we can always add to this all the bells and whistles that we want. If you really want a big bouncy house... <laughs> and a big screen TV and you want snacks and you want a basketball hoop, we can do those things. I can keep doing my PowerPoints and try to get more creative to keep people's attention. Uh, we can add more services. I can talk more than once a week. We can do like the same message three times a week. We can change the music. We can do all sorts of things. You can bring in a more dynamic speaker. You can say, Josh, you've had four years and look what you did. Okay, You can bring in a more dynamic speaker to grow your church. We can add programs as well. But make sure that whatever we choose to do, that we're doing what Scripture clearly and obviously tells us that we need to do. And the byproduct, I believe, is that it's going to build our church. So let's just start with one today. Make sure that we're paying attention to the preaching of God's Word. You did it here in church today. Come back next week. Let's do it again. You have a chance to get more during the week. Do that. And next week, we're going to add participation or fellowship in the church with other believers. Let's just practice and let's see and pray and ask God to see what he's going to do in our church uh, in the next coming weeks. Let's pray. 
Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for what you uh, teach us on a very practical level of what we need to do as a church. We don't have to try to figure out what's the latest fad and craze and, and what's the greatest next program that's going to drag people in here for a time because all those things are fleeting. People are going to get tired of them. There's going to still be something else that's greater and more interesting to follow. God, you didn't give us all those things to do. You told us the first thing we need to do is to get together to hear your word. And then add to that fellowship and praying together and breaking bread together and sharing our faith. And God, I you grew the early church that way, and I, I believe you're going to do that in our church if we do these things diligently. And I pray that you'd help us to want that and, and to do it well. And God, please let us to see the fruits of our labors. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.